Hi. Hi. Oh my god, hello. I'm good. This is such a complicated app. Oh my god. <laughs> I was on the computer. I think that's why it wasn't working at first. Kirsten is somewhere in this universe. Um, I thought I added her. I think she's here now. It says Kirsten. Hey. Hi, how are you? Plugging in a microphone like a pro. <laughs> Thank you both for coming. You are welcome. Thank you for inviting us. Okay, I think I have voice Yeah, I do have voice Okay. Um, well, everybody, this is episode 15 of Chanel's Language Learning Journey Podcast, where amazing things happen, even when technology doesn't want to work correctly. Um, I'm your host, Chanel Hancock, and today's guest are Lindsay Williams of lindsaydoeslanguages.com and Kirsten Cable of The Fluent Show and fluentlanguage.co.uk. Thank you guys for coming today. Thank you for having us. I have to say I've been following you guys for about, what, give or take two years now? I think something like that. Cool. Um, Wow. Um, for um, personally, I just want to say thank you for being um, great um, language ambassadors for like women everywhere who, you know, want to learn languages because evidently this area of expertise is like dominated by a lot of men. And you, you, don't really hear and you don't really see very often women in the forefront you know doing what you guys are doing learning languages giving advice making podcasts and courses and doing retreats and going all over the place to you know promote language learning and language acquisition and I just want to say thank you for that because that gives me hope and inspiration that with the me starting my own podcast, um, which was a dream of mine um, to do, actually, um, that you know, I I pretty much learned from you guys, like you know, the do's, the don'ts of you know what it takes to really be an efficient, you know, language aficionada and uh, you know, a, a, a global ambassador for you know women everywhere. We, we want to do this. That's awesome. Thank you. I think when uh, when we started Women in Language, all those initial discussions, it was like, we know that there are women doing this. We know that females learn languages and do jobs with languages. So why? <laughs> Where are they all? You know, and so I think it was, I think we were really grateful that we could bring that to the forefront a little bit and just you know share a little bit more beyond uh sort of you know everyone who is equally great but who, who you sort of see all the time right I mean don't get me wrong I've only been a part of the language learning community for like three years now since I was 38 I mean I just took mm. a gamble and was like you know life's too short I want to learn Russian I'm going to do it 
So I just <laughs> went and went to the internet and found um, Mark Thompson's um, easy uh, Russian main easy course. It was a 30 lesson podcast. I learned the basics in a week and I started to like it. And I was like, wow, I don't have to pay hundreds and thousands of dollars to go and listen to some crazy person talk for about 50 minutes to 75 minutes about <laughs> grammar and, you know, <laughs> conjugating verbs. <laughs> mm. So, um, yeah, I, I just took the plunge and I never looked back. So, yeah, I, I, I thank everybody from you guys to Chris Brohone, to Ollie Richards, to Steve Kaufman and Jimmy Mello and uh, Moses McCormick. I mean, the list goes on. Um, welcoming me personally into this community because being visually impaired and having res- not enough residual vision to reprint anymore and and mostly just learning by ear, you know, mm. it's it's you know it could be somewhat you know a tedious job every day to find the right materials and you're on a limited budget so you're trying to find things for free you know and i've i started out with 453 friends four years ago and now i have 1630 so oh wow so so you know i i have to say i mean you guys give a lot of like great advice i mean that's realistic I think that's key as well. I, Chanel, I think um, Kirsten has dropped out of the call. I think okay. she says that she needs to be invited again. Okay. I don't think I can do that. Okay. Uh, wait a minute. How do I? How do I do that? Okay. Wait a minute. I don't want to end this. Oh, screwy. Do we have to start again to add her or something? Is it? Okay. Oh, this sucks. Oh, please don't tell me I gotta do this over again. Because <laughs> we're in the seven minutes. Oh, <laughs> okay, wait a minute. I just went. Okay, we might have to start this over. My God. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Okay. Did Kirsten get on? Uh, I don't think so at the minute. It says two people. It's just got me and Hello? you. Ah, there she is. Kirsten. Hello. 
Hello, hello, hello. Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> He's a bit... Good thing it is. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I'm here. Yeah, you sound great. Oh, thank you, know? you. I actually it just it did record the first seven and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so the good thing about this is even if you do have to start over, it'll save what you recorded and then you get to add it all together afterwards. Which is Ah, that's good. Yeah, so I I actually told Chris Brohan that uh from Natural Fluency that I, um, I I eventually wanted to interview him as uh, payback for um, interviewing me last April. And because oh. and, uh, I've I followed him since like season one of his show. And uh, yeah, like he's really cool. But um, yeah, we were discussing um, women in language and, and, and how significant it is that women are able to be able to do this wonderful thing, create <laughs> material, podcasts. But it's funny because all the minorities that I've seen as far as women learning languages, they're all on YouTube. Like, I see, like, Abby um, Gonzalez, Abby Gonzalez TV, she's half Puerto Rican, half Black, and she speaks English, Spanish, um, Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, and she's learning Korean right now. And wow. And she, uh, she's good. And, I mean, she has over, like, 30,000 subscribers or something on her, on her channel, Um there's a little bit on Instagram I would say but I've noticed that because I've been asking around sort of hey who do you know who's you know who doesn't look like a white lady speaking British English I guess, <laughs> um, who's into languages and people kept referring me to YouTube and I'm like but I don't watch YouTube damn it <laughs> but it's 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 hard to find so you're not wrong right and I mean literally what you have to do is be like okay black polyglots like it was this one chick. She's a truck driver. Mm. I kid you not. And she taught herself Russian. And her Russian is good. And I mean, like, you'd mm. be surprised, like, how many people in the African-American community, um, a lot of uh, Latinos, uh, mm. some Asians, but not a lot. Um I see them on YouTube. I mean, I literally have to fish for them. But I'm... It's funny. Because, Chanel, something you said was, a minute ago, was you said that women can do these things. You know? And and minorities can do these things. And the fact that we're even coming at it from that point of view of, like, can we? That in itself is complete madness when when you think about it, right? Of course we bloody can. We can do anything we choose to do. It, because we are, I mean, given the, given our privilege in this world and given what we, you know, given our limitations, mm-hmm. largely we can mentally mostly pretty much do most of what we choose to do. And it's the same, I think, with 
you know, my, minorities in a way. Like, I don't see a lot of German polyglots, but that doesn't mean Germans don't absolutely love learning languages and don't learn languages. It's just that the the online presence is different. Right. I mean, I see a lot of Western Europeans, Eastern mm. Europeans, white Americans, Canadians. Um, Honestly... The only people I know of right now that's even getting any visibility, which I'm surprised I'm even getting any visibility, but I am. Um, Moses McCormick, which is, he's like two hours away from where I live at in Ohio, in Columbus. Uh, There's Shahida Foster, who is lovely and spoke at women in language. Yeah, he is, I love him. He's, oh my God, like, I, I, I still want to know how he keeps all these languages in his head. <laughs> You know, but he's like really cool and down to earth. And um, yeah, we're friends on Facebook. Well, I'm friends with practically everybody. <laughs> you name it, I I know them. Um, you know, I it's kind of funny you say that about Germans learning languages. Okay, first of all, I love Rammstein. I I I, I understand <laughs> German. I understand German. I just don't speak it very well. Um, I love Rammstein. Um, my favorite movie is Das Boot. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I can sing Du Hast. <laughs> uh-huh. So, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, I've never spoken a lick of German, but because... English is a Germanic language and is so close together, related to each other. I can actually understand what most people are saying in German. My passive learning for the language is much higher than my active. And um, I I noticed, like, I, I've ran into a couple of Germans on some of these polyglot pages. But you have mm. to be, you know, you've got to look for them. you got to join them. Um, you know, I've I've mm. talked to a couple people that wanted to improve on their English, and my favorite actor of all time, as far as German actors, is uh, Jürgen Prochnow, Prochnow, from um, Beverly Hills Cop and Two and um, um, Das Boot. He played the commander in Das Boot, and um, like his English is impressive, um, but it's just like Wolfgang Peterson's another one of my favorite like German directors. Um, you know, and I'm just like, oh, well, it's, it, I would like to go to Germany. That would, that would be like kind of fun, um, to hobnob around Munich and Dusseldorf and, and, and Berlin and, um, I'm more of a history buff. So anytime I learn something or a different language, I, I go for the political words. I go for the, the. Uh, history, you know. Um, I almost read Mein Kampf until I realized I really <laughs> didn't want to. I it made me angry. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, like I just got finished um, listening to you guys as a recent podcast today, actually. Um, before I got on here, and um. It, and I guess at the beginning of your podcast, you were talking about 
how you you practice your languages like on a treadmill and i was like oh yeah i listen to you guys on the treadmill when i when i'm on the treadmill <laughs> i'll just pop in the fluent show and i'll, I'll listen to because it's a, long, it's a long episode and so i can get through 30 minutes listening to you guys um you know because that 30 minutes it seems pretty long when you're on here yeah, you'll yeah. be fluent and fit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm just curious, like, how did you guys actually meet? Hmm. I remember seeing Lindsay's logo on Twitter. Lindsay, do you remember when you had the little, the little, was that supposed to be a drawing of you? No, it was never me. I thought it was a little girl. I thought you taught kids. Yeah. I remember because it looked like a little girl sort of waving from the side and it said, Lindsay does languages. And I was like, okay. Like, sort of that I followed me on Twitter. And then sort of slowly, um, I read a few of Lindsay's blog posts and I thought, oh, she's good. Yeah. <laughs> and I really, I really liked, you know, like I really liked the the writing style. I think through writing, if somebody has a, has a voice and is sort of expressing themselves mm-hmm. uh, authentically, for lack of a better word, you sort of, you get a sense of who they are. And I thought, oh, mm, cool, you know, and I was doing, I was doing the podcast then already. Um, so I think, Lindsay, I asked you to be on the podcast. Was that the first time we talked? Uh, I think it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just one episode, wasn't it, at that time? It was like in the early days, it was like episode, I think it was 17. Oh wow! Because I had started yeah. listening to you at episode twenty-one. <laughs> ah. Well, my numbering system went a bit funny last year because I switched to a new, I switched to a new right. host. So some of the numbering in the Fluent Show is ever so slightly off. Right. Um, so I don't know whether it's seventeen or twenty. It could be both, to be honest. Right. <laughs> um, but yes, Lindsay was. It was just a one-off episode. Um, and I can't remember what we talked about. I don't remember. But I remember having a great time. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I literally, like, follow you guys, like, especially, like, when you guys do the polylock gathering. I forgot. I think it was the one where you were in Germany. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, Berlin. And, um... Um, going around making videos and stuff. I was like, see, I wish I could be there. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, because it looks like it's so much fun. Mm. To, to, it is. To one yeah, of it's always a lot of fun. Because right now, as you know, a lot of Americans, we travel inside of the U.S. If we're lucky to go outside the U.S., it's Canada or Mexico, Puerto Rico, the Bahamas, Jamaica, places like that. Mm. Um, anywhere further than that, you know, good luck. Um, I'm actually quite pleased that the polyglot sort of community has established a really good bunch of conferences outside of the USA. That doesn't mean I don't want any in the USA, but I often, you know, in the areas of sort of having your own business, uh, for example, I, I sort of look quite jealously at the USA <laughs> and um, I'm a member of Toastmasters and again like all of the big event kind of stuff the USA is is very leading and they love their conferences so for for the polyglot community to have established conferences outside the USA that are really a firm part of the program and for Americans to travel out to places like Bratislava 
is is remarkable and I'm kind of I'm kind of really glad about that that's really cool I know for me personally um given that I'm um disabled and on a fixed income like for me personally going to like Europe that would take me at least a good year to save up for just in general because it is you know you only get like here if you're disabled uh anywhere between 750 dollars a month and if you get ssdi some people get like 15 1600 but that's if they've worked for a long period of time or if they were born before the age of 22 with a disability and their parents worked and they get like their benefits like their yeah. death benefits they, so yeah it just depends but if you're just someone like me that's visually impaired and was born that way you only get what's called um, supplemental standard supplemental supplemental income and that's like $750 plus you you do get you know your Medicare I mean your Medicaid um, for free and then you'll get like food assistance which can be anywhere between 150 to 200 dollars a month so when you add that up it's not really a lot mm. and then and then yeah. if you're living in public housing um which is subsidized a third of your rent a third of your income goes to your rent but your utilities are included so pretty much you got a little bit of money to live off of and so yeah, it it I that's why I I am like oh I I wish I can go like to Langfest or something or I wish we could have a conference here for people that couldn't go yeah like to Europe and it could be you know back and forth. I know? guess that's where um like online events become really helpful as well because then. Anyone can join from anywhere. Right. You know, as long as you've got the internet, right. it makes it much more accessible, I think, which is nice. Yeah, I was thinking about women in language in our context and, and how, how surprised I was, how well it worked, but how many people told us that, that this is a huge, that was a huge factor for them to, you know, to join and to enjoy it because travel is prohibitive. We have to mm. face it, you know, on, on many incomes. Right. And I mean, I, I know from... Uh, uh, I would say a, an auditory perspective in regards to language learning, you know, because everyone learns languages differently. And because I learn by ear and mm. I do subscribe to Dr. Krashen's method of comprehensible input. Um, a lot of it. Like I listened to France 24 today for three hours. Mm. And, um, because my my passive learning in French is so high um that you know I understand the news I understand like Macron speeches and stuff like that and so you know I pretty much go for the jugular when I am speaking like in particular French the more intense words um you know that the things I want to talk about um I mean trust me I get tired of talking about the weather so (laughs) <laughs> hello my name is the weather is nice today yeah yeah it's kind of tedious right right and so I mean I actually have a policy I don't know about you guys but I have a policy when I talk to people and I, I get on the phone with them 
And I actually say, we, you want to speak in English? Let's speak in English for half an hour. Okay. Mm. Um, these are the topics that are off limits. LGBT issues, because that's a hot topic and some people aren't comfortable with that. Politics and religion. And personal questions that don't have anything to do with why we're on the phone in the first place. <laughs> Who's your husband? Are you married? Do you have a boyfriend? Can I come and marry oh, you? Oh, well, can I come to your house? Um, because you have a really nice voice and you're hot. <laughs> well, you do have a lovely voice. Oh, thank you. While you mention it. <laughs> but, but this is the funny part. I actually had someone call me up at 3.30 in the morning. And they're on the other side of the world, somewhere in the Middle East. Oh, it's three o'clock in the afternoon here. Huh? Mm. You know, I'm asleep. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not answering this. <laughs> I, I mean, and it, that's bad. When I understand people want to want my help, but there's a limit. Like, I do have to sleep. Calling me at three thirty in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, it's not acceptable. Yeah, I'm just. Absolutely. I actually think you're doing really well there to assert boundaries at the start of a language exchange. I remember the Lindsay, you'll remember the the podcast episode we had with Jonathan Huggins where we mm. talked about language exchanges and how much, how carefully we should enter them if we want them to last. Right. I mean, because I I I I have met some really cool people. As people, and we've talked about things outside of language learning of course because you know you only there's about 20 questions that you're going to ask someone and it doesn't matter what country you're from these are the same 20 questions you're going to get and after that you got to figure out well is this person really the right person that I want to talk to you know like if you want to strike up a friendship or whatever and I've been able to strike up some really interesting friendships as a result of it. But, I mean, I've had people call me and ask me, what type of underwear do I have? I'm like, are you serious? Click, block. <laughs> I mean, and I, that's where I have a problem. Like, are you looking at my picture? You're looking at me and then you're saying, oh, she's hot. She has a nice voice. Let's see if I can get a green card. No. <laughs> this isn't what this is about. And I I yeah. just, I mean, I, I get so appalled by that. I'm just like, no, no. Or they want you to do every language exchange for free. Like if you tell them you're certified and you, you they really want to learn English, so you will teach them, but you tell, you tell them up front. The first conversation for 15 minutes, 20 minutes is free. Afterwards, you really want me to help you? You got to pay me. This is how much I charge an hour. You know, and I mean, I've had people send me documents. Can you help me do this? I mean, now it's a Word document with materials in it. And they think I'm supposed to do it for free. I'm like, heck no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, so I mean those those types of things I've 
I've encountered um, doing language exchanges. And I mean, I've, I've had the Ollie situation where he described how he was talking to somebody in Cantonese and they just wanted to talk in English and for two and a half hours, his time was wasted. And I can definitely understand the frustration of that because I've had that myself where they want you to speak English. And then when you get to want to speak the language that they speak, that you are learning, they want to cut it off. And then I I have to go Bye. So it was always, Mm. it was a one way street. And I just, I solved that problem by saying, I'm sorry, but this isn't going to work out. I hope that you're able to find someone to be able to talk. And I'd be very professional about it because in the back of my head, I, I was just furious because I just felt like my time was wasted time. You cannot get back. Mm. So I've, I've encountered that and I've encountered well, your Spanish is too slow, and because you're visually impaired, I don't know if I can talk to you. What? What does my because you hear with your eyes? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not totally blind. I'm visually impaired. I can see what your picture looks like. I just can't tell your yeah. eye color. I mean, really. Um, I was and I was so offended by that. I went off in Spanish and cursed them out in Spanish. Left them yeah. a message and they were like, I'm sorry. I'm like, well, maybe you should have thought about that before you decided to insult me. That's, you know, it, but it's, it's very, it's a very fickle community because I see a lot of people that they, they really want to learn languages and then they see everybody else who's like succeeding and then they try to compare themselves to other people. I was like, I'm not Vladimir Stolteti, even though Vladimir Stolteti is awesome. I don't know 20 languages, dude. (laughs) And it took him a long time to be able to master the languages that he did. It didn't happen overnight. And I think a lot of people see like how successful you guys are and everybody else in the language community. And they don't, really understand that it took years it didn't happen overnight I mean there wasn't a pill that you took and you started learning these languages like rapid fire and you could spill out no it's a process and I think the the trouble with that is that you only ever see where people are now right so it's really difficult to see back especially in sort of you know our sort of modern society sort of social media and things you get a very rose-tinted view of um of of people's kind of lives in general I guess you know and I can make yeah totally I've made some really cool friends as a result of it and I I just have to say um thank you for supporting me and encouraging me to keep going because I mean there are days when I just want to put my my hand through a wall <laughs> because mm. I'm like oh god you know a, a lot of it is material based trying to find material um and authentic material 
And because, you know, I get these questions or these responses, well, you live in the U.S., you should be able to find this. No. (laughs) Just because I live in the U.S. doesn't mean anything. Um, You know, not everything is accessible. Um, You know, I use voiceover, as you already know. I download all the languages that I'm currently learning um, on my voiceover, I mean, on my uh, tablet and my phone. I change the language depending on what book I'm reading and what language that book is in, in order for me to be able to, to understand the ebook. Finding audio material, I have to actually ask people, do you have this? Would you be willing to share this? Because I can't find it. You know, it's not, it's not that, it, it's not that simple. You know, there's just certain things that I don't have access to. And so, you know, writing in the language, for instance, isn't a priority to me at the moment. A priority for me is speaking, you know, being able to verbally communicate and understand what people are saying. Because in a conversation, if you cannot understand what someone is saying in the most simplest of words, you know, all the writing and reading is, that's great. You'll, you'll, you'll build your grammar and your vocabulary. But if you're not able to really listen to what someone is saying in natural speed and not slow, um, you're pretty much screwed. And, and I, I've seen that with like a lot of people, like I'll use Brazil as a main country where in Russia too, where they don't have the opportunity to speak with anybody that speaks American English at all. And so they learn academic English. They learn how to read and write. There's still some holes in their writing. Um, but when you get on the phone with them, they can't even like string two sentences together, let alone understand what you're saying. So they wind up mm. going back to like Portuguese in order to feel comfortable communicating when your Portuguese isn't that great either. So it's like a seesaw battle to get them to be motivated more and less insecure and less focused on, I need to be fluent today. Well, let's take it in small bites. Okay, can you Okay, you can introduce yourself. I understand that. You can tell me where you're from. I can understand that. What else do you like to do? You see what I'm saying? In English. Not in Portuguese. You know. um, And then when you say you're learning their language, I don't know if you guys have had this. Oh, it's hard. I don't know how many times I've heard that. And I'm like, (laughs) I, I don't necessarily see anything as difficult. Life is hard. Living the day-to-day is hard. This is nothing compared to you know, where your next paycheck is going to come to come from and if you're going to be able to keep your electric going. That's something that's hard. I, I don't see a language as difficult if you have some real concrete goals and you're really motivated and you take it one step at a time instead of trying to race and be fluent in like three, four months. Well, that's not going to happen. 
realistically, you know, unless you have about 10 hours a day to commit, which nobody does, um, good luck. You know, it, yeah. Um, what, how do I put this? Do you see yourselves like, um, kind of like role models you know for mm. for, for the people that you know are just starting out you know they might have I been doing it for like maybe a month three months less than a year I don't know if I'd say I see myself as a role model but I think that naturally when you put yourself on the internet in a sort of forward-facing way you have to acknowledge the fact that some people may see you that way and may interpret what you say as okay well this is exactly what I need to do and then I'll be fluent right so I have to for me personally I try and be very honest with everything and say look this worked for me it might not work for you and you Mm -hmm. know try this try this for sure but don't necessarily feel like if it doesn't work then okay well that's it putting in the towel right it's all over now you know um so I think it's important that you sort of recognize that when you are sort of online but I don't like seek that out does that make sense right mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's an interesting question I mean because I guess when I look at you guys and I look at Shannon and like Lydia um I guess I look at it as, well, these are women that, you know, they put their words where their mouth is and, and, and they, they walk the walk. They just don't talk, talk, you know? And I mean, you actually do talk about, okay, I didn't do this this month. I didn't complete this goal, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to complete it later. It just didn't happen today and that's okay. You know, and a a lot of people, they want to see the end result. They don't necessarily try to understand there is a beginning and a middle too, not just the finish line. Mm. I'm I'm feel like I am more enamored with the journey than the result. Right. <laughs> like it's, I don't. I mean, of course, it's great to have this result, but it feels so even though I think maybe this is why I think about goals Mm -hmm. so much and like what the goals look like and what motivates us and stuff like that it's I am so motivated by the Mm -hmm. journey and I know that so many other people uh, are so motivated by the result but every time I really um, try and think sort of what will what what is my like ultimate goal I've got a few but they are rarely about oh and I'm going to speak my target language and I'm going to feel awesome and I'm going to feel so validated through it and I'm going to be admiring myself so much it never feels that way it always just feels like mm-hmm. and then I'm you know I'm achieved something despite myself right I think the end goal of um I'm going to be fluent right it always seems so, oh, that's so dangerous. yes it's quite dangerous but it can it you know if that's what your goal is fine go for it but it can all it's always going to feel so far away that 
Yeah, it's really if slippery, that isn't is, it? If that is what you're aiming for, then you need something along the way. You need to enjoy the journey of it so right. that you can, you know, kind of keep motivated. And you might find that actually you get there and you're like, you know what? Oh, hang on a minute. I am I am fluent now, you know, years and years down the line. Right. For me, the, uh, you, you're saying this, and I was listening to you both speak about it, and I'm thinking about when I finished my degree because my degree was quite different. I did it um, distance learning part-time. So I was like, you know, living life (laughs) at the same time um, rather than three years solid study at university. Mm -hmm. So it took me six years. And by the end, I remember I was speaking to some people from the university and they're saying, oh, so now you've finished your degree, what happens next? And I was like, well, life goes on, you know. (laughs) It was almost this byproduct of, doing all the work was like oh now I have a degree at the end of this and that's how it's always been with me for languages I've never wanted you know I've never thought I want to speak that language I want to talk to people I want to you know that's never been like the the target for me it's always been oh this is fun I'm enjoying this right now oh and by the way cool side product you know cool like little bonus now I can speak to people in this language that's fun right I mean, when I heard you speak um, Guaranese, I was like this. What? Mm. I didn't even know that was a language. Yeah. I I, I was just like, wow, no, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. I, Learning minority language is, is just the best in so many ways, isn't it? You know, it's funny. I, Me being African-American... Um, and I come from a very eclectic family, okay? I just found mm. out I have one quarter Irish in my bloodline. Uh, and I have like 20, 26% West African in me, too. Yeah. So I'm sitting here like, oh, no wonder I liked languages. Oh, no wonder I liked British everything back in the day. And German this and French that and Russian this. And, okay. <laughs> but, mm. but I'm the only one in my family that speaks more than one language mm. at all like they all speak English and that's it my cousin's like are you going to speak English again anytime soon I was like no <laughs> I mean <laughs> because I enjoy that whole headspace of like when I speak French for instance I feel very sensual mm. and then when I speak Japanese what little I know I feel really goofy, and I don't know what that's about, but I, I do. I mean, and I have different, like, uh, goals for w- why I want to learn so many languages, mainly because I studied theater in college, and I have a degree uh, from Kent State University in theater studies, primarily acting and producing, and then I went on to go to the Los Angeles Film School to um, get my film degree in directing, um, producing, and screenwriting. And I was the first um, visually impaired student there ever and since, actually, because nobody else has gone since then. Um, And it's been about 11 years since I graduated from there with honors in filmmaking. And um, I, I come from a very artistic background. So everything I see in my mind and, and visually with because I see the bigger picture not so much the smaller picture um, you know I come with languages as okay I want to be able to watch you know Breathless in French 
finally I can watch French cinema and understand what they're saying. You know, now that I've studied the language to a certain degree. Um, you know, I can, I can listen to Italian cinema now and enjoy it. Because before that, there was no technology around for me to be able to have the subtitles read. I was just watching, you know, people on the screen in, in their actions. And I couldn't read the subtitles. So, and because I didn't know the language very well, you know, I kind of felt out of place even though that was uh, a area of study that I really enjoy. But I kind of felt like I wasn't invited to the party yet until I learned some of these languages in order to be able to really enjoy cinema as it should be enjoyed. Um, mm. And a lot of my reasoning for learning like Japanese is because I want to watch Japanese horror movies. <laughs> and like I actually want to watch like the audition. I don't know if you've seen that movie or not. Um, no, yeah, it's on my list. You gotta watch it. Oh my god, <laughs> you'll be sitting there like, uh, this shit crazy. <sighs> I mean, but I love the way that they do things in movies. Like they don't use knives and guns. I mean, you know, they're using like wire and all kinds of creative stuff to be able to, you know, cut people, dismember them. I, I yeah, I love it, but um. <laughs> I I I wanna um, you know be able to watch like my '80s cartoons. I used to watch Transformers and Voltron and stuff, and and like uh, Japanese, you know, and and enjoy it, you know. Um, that's mainly why. I mean, evidently, um, I don't consider myself wanting to master all these languages. First of all, it would take me forever to be able to maintain them all. Mm-hmm. And so I gave myself a level as to where I want to be with a lot of them, like low intermediate. That way I can remember the majority of what I've learned and I can move slowly from that if I want to want to progress later on down the road. But as long as I have a nice foundation to start with, that would be more realistic for me personally. Because trust me, there's like another seven languages I want to tackle. Um, and some of them are quite hard. Japanese, Chinese, Egyptian Arabic, uh, Swedish, Norwegian, and Polish, and Turkish. And right now I'm dipping my feet into Dutch, Italian, which is a breeze. Dutch is a breeze. Um, French, obviously, is easy. Even though people say, oh, well, the grammar's awful. I'm like, well, you kind of know French. You just don't realize you know. Yeah. You really don't. Um, you know, and, and Russian was the one that I studied the longest independently. And I'm very proud of because I had a lovely um, language experience last night. I was on YouTube and something told me to flip over to my Russian keyboard and I did. And I just dictated, you know, binary mirror. And um, it came up and I was able to understand the majority of the vocabulary from the first part of Binary Mir in Russian after 42 months of independent study. And, you know, Russian literature is the most difficult to grasp if you are learning Russian, period. 
Like, that's like C1, C2 level. And I uh, was jumping up and down for joy and literally crying because I couldn't believe it. I finally, after almost four years, I was able to understand the words in, in to war and peace. That oh. was a big deal for me because that was a goal of mine, but I didn't like, I had it in the back of my mind for like later on down the road. I just didn't realize it was going to happen as quickly as it did. And then everything just started to click. And I was just like, wow. You know, and I, I, I can speak at a, you know, upper intermediate level in Russian and, you know, yeah, like it's it's just a beautiful thing when you finally work very hard for something as simple as I want to speak Russian, you know, yeah. to being able to, oh, I, I can understand the most typical book and they, they, they have in Russian period, you know, and I talk to my Russian friends and the first thing they say is, why do you want to read that? You know how long that is? I was like, it's just as long as the Bible, isn't it? <laughs> and they were like, yeah. I was like, we don't even read all of it. And I was like, are you serious? And they were like, yeah. We don't. Like, we hate war and peace. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, it, it, it is. It's one of those those wonderful, surreal feelings for me right now. And I'm just, like, in a very good language space like i was watching uh the matrix in french audio with norwegian mm. subtitles last weekend you know because i decided to pick up norwegian just to like a b1 level at some point and i said i just want to train my ears see how it sounds and I, I actually met somebody from norway this weekend and we talked for three hours on the phone you know and it was like totally cool and I just joined a Norwegian group on Facebook and it, you just, it, the love of, of the language community itself and the acceptance. It, you know, I, I don't think I've ever been that accepted worldwide in my life as someone that's from America, you know, and that's African-American and visually impaired. I mean, I have a door foot in each door and part sighted world part blind world and it's kind of like hard to fit in either way but when you find something you're really passionate about you find out that you you actually fit in better in that world than you do other places I would say as far as I'm concerned um, I, I have to say that uh, I've gotten a lot of great advice and not only from you guys but like Shannon Kennedy who I interviewed like Saturday and you know Steve Kaufman and Ollie and I've been talking to David James and Poland and oh yeah like I just have to say you know thank you because like you guys rock and I hope thank that, you. I, I think eventually I would love to like actually meet y'all like at a language event. I my goal eventually is to get to Langfest at some point since that's close by. Mm. You know, because Canada, yeah, 
Montreal, we're on the same time zone, um, Eastern Standard. So it's like about six, eight hours drive. But um, I would fly, unfortunately, because I don't drive. And me and Bono would go over there. <laughs> My guy, <laughs> dog. It's, it sounds totally possible. It sounds like sounds like really, really good fun. Chanel, I... I, I've got to I've got to say thank you for the for the conversation. I think it's been really interesting listening to you. I'm sorry I've got okay. to go because of the time. Um but yeah, I just wanted to thank you again for inviting well inviting me on the show along with Lindsay. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. It, it's been really interesting hearing about hearing from you about your language learning experience. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on cuz like that was one of my goals. I was like, okay, I need to get to see if I can get some of the people that I talk to on Facebook all the time to come on, you know, on the show. And so um, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. I mean, because I'm, yeah. you guys are like episode 15. So, I mean, because I've recorded other like little segments, you know, giving tips and stuff. And, and I know I do have listeners out there. Um, so if you guys are listening, um, please subscribe to Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast. Um, give me a rating that help people find me a lot better. Um, and you know, my motto is language learning is a journey, not a race. Um, because it definitely isn't a race. <laughs> um, and I want to thank Kirsten Cable of the Fluent Show and fluentlanguage.co.uk and Lindsay Williams of Lindsay Does Languages for coming on today. You guys rock. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you, Chanel. You're welcome. And we'll be back when you do your episode 100. (laughs) Bye. Bye.